Good afternoon, and welcome back to the Arch Conservatives podcast. And for the first time in a very long time, uh, I'd love to welcome you back to Radio Free Athens. Uh, I'm Jay Thomas Perdue. I am the editor-at-large of the Arch Conservative and the host of Radio Free Athens. This is our first show of the fall 2019 semester, and hopefully we'll get this out uh, this time around every week. Uh, I'll try to record on Tuesdays. Um, but currently, right now, an update with the magazine. We are uh, in the final editing process of the fall magazine. Um, that should be sent to the printers by the end of the week and should be hitting distribution boxes and uh, hitting your doorstep if you're a subscriber uh, here in the next couple of weeks. Um, we have uh, a lot to update you on, namely the uh, turnover of the editorial board. Um, I am the editor-at-large now, as I said. Um, I'm no longer editor-in-chief. Uh, that job has gone over to Ian LaCroix, who was our uh, online editor last year. Um, Ian and I joined the magazine at about the same time, uh, back, I think, in the spring of 2017. I think he joined up a few weeks before I did, uh, but... Ian's a really good reporter. He is uh, pretty much everything that I'm not administratively, uh, and he's a solid writer. Uh, that administrative comment was uh, certainly to meant to be a compliment, um, but uh, I enjoyed my time as editor in chief. I think I made a lot of uh, I made a lot of great friends in this magazine over the years, and I think that uh, we've consistently done a good job. And I really can't think of anybody who uh, is more deserving, if that's uh, something that I suppose that matters in a uh, college magazine, but I guess we are uh, at least supposed to be a meritocracy, but also capable of, uh, of guiding us through, I think, the next year. Um, I'll be graduating the University of Georgia in December if everything goes the way that it is supposed to go, um, so I will be still with the Arch Conservative and still uh, hosting Radio Free Athens until then. Um, otherwise, uh, on, uh, speaking of the editorial board, uh, Sarah Scherer, uh, who's written for us a few times over the past few years as the new executive editor, uh, as Reed Ferguson has also graduated and will be moving, well, has moved actually to Washington, D.C. Uh, Jeter Long is also on the editorial board along with Mackenzie Sams. Um, and Chris Lipscomb. Uh, Boris Abreu is also still with us on the editorial board, um, keeping his old position as publishing editor. Um, this will probably be a very short episode. It'll probably be a very low-rated episode because, as you can probably tell by now, I'm here by myself. Um, I will just try to give a quick rundown of what's been going on with the magazine. I'll talk about my piece for a little bit and what the rest of the editors have been up to, as well as some of the new contributors. Um, another thing Ian's done really well is uh, attract new contributors to the magazine. Um, I think when I was editor-in-chief, we saw a very quick influx when I started. Um, but uh, Ian has uh, recruited a lot more people, I think, than I ever did already. Um, but just taking a look at what we've got in the magazine, uh, the features uh, are Chris Lipscomb talking about Stacey Abrams and uh, the 
interesting saga that took place over the past few months with, um, of course, Stacey Abrams not conceding the gubernatorial election to Brian Kemp, um, as well as what her political aspirations may be in the future. It's sort of like a character study on Stacey Abrams, uh, which I, th- I felt was uh, was pretty, pretty damning um, when you consider uh, her history, her political history. Uh, I think the point that Chris had is that she uh, really does not have Georgian interests in mind, and I think that's a pretty common statement about politicians, that they are more concerned with their own power than with their own constituency. Uh, but Chris goes into what makes uh, Stacy so special. Uh, Sarah Shearer talks about John Bolton. Um, let's see. Looks like Mackenzie Sams uh, has a piece about Johnny Isaacson. Um, I think that hers mostly has to do with uh, the Democratic Party's opportunity that comes with uh, a vacant Republican seat. Uh, Georgia has been forecasted to turn purple uh, for several years by a lot of people in media. Um, And I think a vacant seat uh, in the Senate, nonetheless, definitely, uh, in theory, would provide a a great opportunity to Democrats. But um, I think McKenzie was a little bit skeptical of that. Uh, Ian wrote a great editorial as well, sort of just a a, a rehash of uh, something that something that I wrote uh, when I joined, which was itself a rehash of our first editorial. Um, I think it is important from time to time to reiterate our principles um, because I don't think that they've changed, um, which of course is the point. Um, But political parties and politicians themselves uh, seem to be a little bit more malleable nowadays in the age of Trump and whatnot. Um, so it's a, uh, I think, a refreshing reminder of the dangers of shilling and the importance of uh, doing what you claim to be doing. Uh, I think I can only really speak with any expertise about my own piece, um, which has to do with children and politics. And there was a lot of uh, viral noise about uh, uh, Greta Thunberg, the, uh, the Swedish uh, climate change activist who is 16 years old, I believe, um, that all started taking place after I had pretty much finished the article. Um, so I wrote a little blurb about her. It's pretty applicable, but I got the idea from last year, uh, two summers ago, I was in uh, Washington, D.C. with uh, Sarah Montgomery, our old manager, and we we were walking from brunch, and we're going to go see some of the monuments, some of the normal tourist things that you do in D.C. I I spent a whole summer there, and I fortunately only had to do that once, Um, but there was a very big protest going on uh, at the White House at the time. There were celebrities there. I think we walked by while... Alicia Keys was performing, uh, but it was a typical DC protest. There were, you know, mostly just people kind of treating it like a fun little tailgate. There were a few people who were absolutely manic and crazy looking and running around and 
there were a lot of children there, which was weird to me. Uh, it, it sort of struck me that a lot of, and when I say children, I don't mean children Greta Thunberg's age. I mean children who were too young to eat with silverware, um, who had very obviously been brought there by their parents and um, had drawn these cute little crayon signs. And <clears throat> there was this one woman who was dressed up like Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, and just like a dynamo running through the streets. Uh, and I, re I specifically remember her going up to a restaurant. It was a sort of, it was like a steakhouse that's sort of on the same road uh, as the Veterans Affairs Office, if I remember right. And she just starts banging on this window and yelling at the patrons inside. And she would repeat that uh, action every few buildings and she'd go down the road. Um, and she had a kid with her. She had a, a, probably an eight to 10 year old child on one of those child leashes with the full body harness, uh, and he's kind of having to walk at a brisk pace behind her as she screams at passerbys, passersby, excuse me. Um, so the piece mostly just has to do with what is inappropriate about having children be politically active with you, I think, uh, because I think that they serve more as a uh, sort of a human shield that deflects against um, that deflects against criticism uh, and would make it look more like something harsh, something like bullying. Um, and I think Greta is kind of a good example of that. Um, well, I think that she will grow up and be an excellent voter one day. Uh, I think that the country and countries all around the world need a more intelligent class of voter, but uh, with Greta, she's still young enough now to where, and and we've seen this. We saw this uh, on the news when somebody, I think it was uh, Michael Knowles, was on Fox News or something, and uh, I, I don't like Michael Knowles very much. I think he's pretty. I think he's pretty expendable as a pundit, and he occasionally is classless like he was on Fox News when he pointed out that uh, Greta Thunberg is autistic. Um, that criticism, I think, falls short for two reasons. One, because she is a child, which is the point, and we'll get back to that, but also because her autism does not appear to hinder her in any way. She seems very capable of doing what she is doing. Um, but he was met with uh, a pretty furious uh, panel member on the show. Um, it was one of those, like, how dare you moments, sort of like Piers Morgan with Ben Shapiro a few years ago. Uh, but it, it, I don't think that it was because Greta was autistic so much as that she was a 16-year-old child um, and had Michael Knowles actually given an, intel an intelligent criticism of what she was saying, how she was saying it, or what she was doing, I think he would have probably been met with a similar response. Um, using children to make your point uh, seems almost like an admission that you uh, are unable to face criticism as an adult because your arguments can't be won with adult language, with uh, with good logic or whatever you may need, um, it's 
pretty effective to have a child uh, go up on a uh, national or international platform and speak very bluntly, uh, speak very in a very alarmed fashion about a problem that's going on, about something that you'd like to advocate for. Um, in my piece, I mentioned the moral equivalent of war, uh, which has been used by politicians from the early 20th century to today uh, to attach a certain moral authority uh, or uh, imply a certain alarm that may not otherwise exist, a divisive issue. We've seen it with uh, climate change, um, and it's not just if you don't believe in climate change, you're part of the problem. It's if you don't let uh, say, harbingers of the Green New Deal, for example. I'm referring to uh, Ocasio-Cortez's comments about us having 12 years to live. Um, also, quite literally, comparing it to World War II, that this is our generation's World War II. Uh, the point, I think, is the same as using children in politics, is to elicit uh, an emotional reaction to a problem that might otherwise be up for debate, at least in terms of the solution uh, I personally do not know many people on the left or the right who disagree that climate change is real, that the climate is changing, and that that is cause for concern. Um, I think the debate is much more on what is causing the climate to change and what are viable solutions uh, to that. That's an entirely different article. Uh, I'm speaking more on method than motive here. Um, but if you think that that is something that interests you, whether you uh, disagree with me and think I'm a soulless idiot, or you agree with me totally and want to tell me uh, how clever I am, uh, or how unoriginal that I am, uh, please be sure to pick up a print copy of the magazine. Of course, all those uh, articles will be on the website. We've actually got, uh, this time around, some articles that uh, just simply came in too late, um, they were put on as subs, as sort of reserve pieces if we ended up with more room, and I don't think we ended up uh, with enough room to put them on there. So we, in the coming weeks, will have uh, several new uh, pieces, lots of new content to put on the website, as well as, hopefully, uh, a regularly scheduled podcast. I get really excited when there is a, a regimental podcast um Hopefully next time I think I'll have uh, a contributor or an editor, maybe somebody that you're familiar with or that you have never heard from before, uh, come and talk about what they've written for this magazine. Um, typically, just what we do is kind of talk about what we have been doing as well as the news of the day. Uh, and as I iterate a lot, we like to try to keep it as local to UGA and to Athens as we possibly can. Um, but sometimes people come up with good ideas, and sometimes they surprise you. Some people do it consistently um, concerning world issues, national issues, whatever. Uh, I think that Chris Lipscomb, for example, uh, is a very insightful writer when it comes to things like foreign policy and things like the military uh, and that's that's his forte. 
Uh, he's a Army ROTC guy, and I think he's been, I think he's had his finger on the pulse of that type of news all of his life. Um, other than that, I think that's pretty much going to do it for this podcast. Again, I'd like to thank Ethan, or excuse me, uh, Ian. I'd like to thank Ian LaCroix for, uh, for stepping in as the editor-in-chief. Uh, I, I, I think that this semester I'm kind of doing what our old editor-in-chief, the one before me, Nick Gieselin, was doing. Um, he was actually editor-at-large for a, uh, I think, an entire year. Either that or he might have called it something else. I got editor-at-large from, I believe it was Blake Seitz, who uh, stepped down after a year of being editor-in-chief and stayed on at an advisory role, so I don't have a very specific job. I'm just doing what I like, which is write uh, and edit and um, listen to myself talk on this podcast. Uh, should be noted that this podcast was supposed to be recorded a week ago. Uh, it's currently the 1st of October. Uh, but I lost my voice um, Saturday night at the Georgia-Notre Dame game. Uh, I think that I yelled about as loud as I've ever yelled, and I've been going to Georgia football games and yelling loudly uh, since 1998. I've been going to several games per year since about 2009 uh, when I was in the seventh grade. So... Um, if you weren't there at the Georgia Notre Dame game, that is a very small, I think, indicator of what the atmosphere was like. Um, I think the game itself was probably, as I shift gears into sports, uh, as I love to do, uh, I think the game was probably a little bit disappointing for a lot of Georgia fans. Georgia did not cover uh, the spread in the game. Um, but from what I thought, I think that the game was definitely on its way to getting ugly. Um, Georgia made a couple of mistakes in the game. The muff punt by Tyler Simmons uh, was probably the most prominent one, but, I mean, you saw that everybody made a big deal about Notre Dame's uh, defensive players faking injuries, which, as hilarious and as <laughs> ridiculous as that is, it... It does happen uh, pretty frequently. I remember a few years ago, uh, Georgia got accused of doing the same thing. And I think I think it was the road game in which Georgia lost to Clemson in 2013. Um, and I think it was Leonard Floyd, uh, who I think was a freshman. And of course, Leonard went on to have a great career at Georgia, and he's great with the uh, Chicago Bears right now. Um and I don't want to say for sure, but I do vaguely remember Clemson fans making a stink about Leonard Floyd appearing to fall down. But it didn't happen uh, more than once that I can remember with Georgia. Um, and, you know, you, I guess you got to give the players benefit of the doubt when they may be hurt. Because if you keep the game going uh, and somebody does turn out to be hurt, then it's... Uh, much worse than the alternative. That being said, as Georgia's driving down the field, uh, they scored that one touchdown with, uh, I believe, Matt Landers. Uh, you could tell on the field and in the trenches that the game was getting away from Notre Dame, and it looked to me, I think I made a comment to my friend that this was about to get ugly. 
J.R. Reed makes an interception on that flea flicker play. Um, Georgia marches straight down the field, end up with a fourth and one. And I think everybody in the stadium was totally expecting and hoping that Georgia would go for it and try to score a touchdown, which would have ended the game uh, for all intents and purposes. Uh, Kirby Smart elected to kick a field goal. I said I didn't like that call. I still don't love that call, but think of it in the sense that if we go for it and don't get it, uh, which that happens, Notre Dame does not need to score a touchdown on the last drive of the game. They need to kick a field goal. Their game plan would have totally been different and could have been a totally different result. So I don't think that it was the terrible call that a lot of people thought it was. Um, but it did make the game on the field a little bit less satisfying. If you can possibly work up the uh, petulance to be unsatisfied as Georgia defeats a top 10 uh, non-conference team that also happens to be one of the greatest programs uh, in college football history in front of the largest crowd in Sanford Stadium history, which brings me back to my voice. Uh, that was probably the greatest environment and just football experience that I've ever personally witnessed. Um, and I've been going to football games in a lot of places around the South uh, and for a lot of years. Uh, I, I think that uh, that's one that definitely will go down in history. It was a great weekend for the community. Uh, and let me say, Notre Dame fans, Notre Dame fans own. They are so great to be around. They were very interested in the city. Um, I made the comment to one of my friends that I'm so glad that all these people, all these road fans in Athens, and there were a lot of them, are not Tennessee fans or Florida fans or Auburn fans <clears throat> because they were just really pleasant to be around. Uh, so it's hard not to uh, root for them for that reason, but primarily to help Georgia's strength of schedule going forward. Uh, that was two weeks ago. This this week, uh, I, I, and I, yeah, so I lost my voice Saturday night. I could not really talk until about Thursday at 5 p.m. Um, I had a group project in one of my classes Monday morning, and I was just, I just kind of whispered, you know, you guys are going to have to do most of the talking here, which I felt bad about. But this weekend, uh, I am going to Knoxville uh, to watch Georgia play Tennessee, and I'm trying really hard not to get my hopes up um, because I really do want Georgia to just lobotomize Tennessee. I have very little affinity for the fans up there, for their football team, Uh we went up there two years ago in 2017, my friends and I, and had a great time. Knoxville is an amazing city. I would recommend it to everybody uh, who has a you know, thick enough squad of friends. Uh, but holy cow, these people were mean, and they, were, they don't trash talk the way that Auburn fans trash talk. They don't trash talk the way that Florida fans. They really have a lot of nasty things to say about you and your mother and Nick Chubb's leg and all this kind of stuff uh, that I think you would have to really find a, a, a an inebriated, you know, 
Florida fan to hear them say, uh, just really out there trying to cause problems. However, in 2017, Tennessee, I think, was 3-1 and one or 4-1, and one, and they thought that they had a chance to beat us. Uh, we beat them 41 to nothing. And that was a year removed from the Hail Mary that Tennessee ran to beat Georgia the year before. So every year since then, I've pretty much wanted Kirby Smart to uh, basically be sent to the Hague for war crimes for what he does against Tennessee. Um, so that's what I'm hoping for again this year. Uh, so far, I've been mostly satisfied. Georgia's handled their business against Tennessee, uh, which is a pretty in a pretty bad place as a program. But like I said, I'm not getting my hopes up. Uh, I very rarely do get my hopes up um, until for I barely I very rarely get my hopes up for an individual game until that game is pretty much over. But uh, as I've spent half of this podcast talking about Georgia football, um, I'll bring it to an end right there. The great thing about that is I can do that uh, because as editor-at-large, um, I have been given authority by our new editor-in-chief to operate this podcast with complete autonomy. Um, so my new unlimited power uh, is is very dangerous, dangerously close to my head, which is uh, why I felt the uh, felt the need to do this on my own. I mean, that takes a lot of millennial white male uh, gusto. Luckily, I have just enough for that. Um, so, as I said, I hope to uh, continue this podcast next week. Hopefully, we'll have some contributors on. I thank you for bearing with me if you've listened this far. Um, I will bring back a report from Knoxville. I'll have an, uh, an update with the Fall Magazine, uh, and hopefully I'll have some more insight as to what is in this magazine. Um, until then, I thank you for listening. This has been Radio Free Athens. I'm your host, J. Thomas Perdue, and I will see you when I see you.